I think sometimes when we come to church, we kind of treat the sermon time as like the main event, right? Everything that we're doing is like so that we could get to the word as if it's the most important part of our gathering. But how many of you guys know that actually the sermon here that the preacher gives, that's sometimes fun and entertaining, but most of the times whatevs. But how many of you guys know that's not actually the main event? Actually, the most important thing in our gathering is if and when you connect to the heart of God and you, in, in, you encounter the living God for yourself in this space. Um, as I was preparing uh, for today's message, we are in a collection called Heart of the City, and I wrote a really cool message. I prepared a great message about how we as Christians are to respond to gentrification in our city. Um, but I'm not going to preach that message today. I'm going to save it for next week. I want to take a pause in our collection because I feel like there are moments sometimes um, as your pastor and as a preacher where God is speaking something for the right now, for the moment. And the thing that as I was preparing, God kept saying to me is, Mickey, people don't need to hear your voice today. They actually need to hear my voice. And the one thing that I, I kept hearing again in my prayer, that, okay, then what do you want me to share about your heart? And he kept saying this, one word changes everything. One word from me changes everything. And so I get the sense that for many of us here today, we need a word from the Lord. Like not like a fancy sermon or a tweetable revelation, Stephen Furtick style. You just need a just for you, specific for your situation, your circumstance, U-shaped sized word directly from God. And so I'm actually not going to preach very long today. Um, I'm actually going to lead us into a time of doing the main event, of communing with God the Father and hearing for ourselves the voice of God. But before that, just because I love to talk, um, I am going to share a little sermonette. (laughs) I think many of us are in seasons of transition seasons of change, seasons of new things, whether you're just coming back to the city, whether you're about to move, you're about to get married, you're starting a new job, things are changing all around you in your life. And in seasons of great transition, God often speaks a word or a promise that becomes the very foundation for that season. How many of you know that every work of redemption starts with a word? Think about before time began, before creation, in the black, in the void of the universe, what's the first thing that God speaks? Let there be light. And it's as if every particle in the universe began to obey and submit to those words, let there be light, and then there was light. When God wanted to redeem humanity, what did he do? He chose a man named Abraham, and what did he say? Your name is no longer Abram. It will be Abraham. You will be a father to many nations. It started with a word. Even before Jesus came on earth, the angel came to Mary and said, Behold, do not be afraid. You will give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. Every amazing work of redemption begins with a word or a promise. And I want to propose that for many of us in this season of transition and change, God wants to speak a word, not just a word, a generic, general word, broad word, but a word specific to you and what God is doing right now. Some of us are waiting desperately for God to give us a breakthrough 
or a miracle or something new when God is longing to give us a word. Um, I want to just read Isaiah 55, 8 through 11. Famous passage, but we'll look into that just a little bit before we get into our time of response. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. As I was reflecting on this verse, and the, the prophet is comparing the word of God that goes forth like a seed and bears fruit, I kept hearing God say that God, he doesn't want to just give us fruit. He wants to give us a seed first. See, we want the fruit We want the results, we want the answer, we want the breakthrough, we want the miracle, but often God begins by giving us the seed, the word, the promise. Gardener God plants the seed of his word in the soil of our hearts, and it requires time and patience, endurance and faith for that seed to begin to bear fruit. And I kept getting this image, like, I love fruits. Like, I'm a berry guy, okay? I just love strawberries and blackberries and blueberries. I just love berries so much, just like fig. And I just had this image of me coming before God. I'm like, God, give me a few pieces of fruit. And he's like throwing me a strawberry, throwing me a blueberry. He's like hitting me on my head. Like, God, give me a few pieces. I just need some fruit. But then I see, I see God saying, just hold on. Let me give you this instead. And he gives me some seeds. And it's like, This one little seed will grow so that you become a mighty tree where all of a sudden you could bear much fruit. See, God doesn't long for us to to be like beggars begging for scraps of little pieces of fruit, but he longs to plant the seed in the soil of our hearts so that we could be bearing much fruit. In other words, he doesn't just want you to have fruit. He wants you to grow to be an orchard. He wants you to bear fruit abundantly. God wants to give you a seed, and it comes through his word. The problem is that for many of us, the voice of God is often drowned out by the noisiness and the busyness of our lives. There's so many voices competing for our attention, the voices of others, the voices within, the voices of the enemy. And it seems like the voice of God gets lost or drowned out in the sea of other voices coming at us. One of my favorite shows, Dan could attest, is Survivor. Oh, let's go. By the way, I made a vow before the Lord that I'm going to apply to Survivor before I turn 40. But first, I got to learn how to swim because... I just, you can't win Survivor if you can't swim. One of my, thanks, my love. One of my favorite games or challenges in Survivor is this challenge where the entire team is blindfolded, and there's one person that's directing them to run through a a course of obstacles to pick up random objects and bring it back to home base. The problem is there's many people on the team, and there's two teams, and so literally all you're hearing when you're watching the show is like, go left, right, pivot, 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 pivot. And like everyone's just yelling and it's hard to hear the voice of the person that you're supposed to follow. I think for many of us, 
That's what it's like in our lives. God is telling us, do this, go left, open the Bible, don't speak, shut up, listen. He's telling us all these things, but there's so many voices that are drowning out his voice that we don't know what to do and we can't hear him. God, what are you saying? What are you saying about me? What are you saying about my situation and my circumstance? What are you saying right now about my season? It's ironic that the most important voice in our lives is often the last voice we invite to the conversation. God is asking, is my voice the most important voice in your life? Hey, you'll learn this when you get married, but your spouse becomes the most important voice in your life. Let me give you an example. Every time I buy clothes, I'm super insecure about it. But the first person that I want to ask for their, her, her opinion is Krista, my wife. And it's crazy how much her opinion shapes my confidence. <laughs> like, I'll buy a pair of sneakers. I'm like, oh, man, it's whack. But then Krista could come in the room. Like, Those look great. And all of a sudden, I'm like, they look great. I look good today, y'all. I don't know if you have someone like that in your life. You can just go to Alex if you need fashion advice. But... Who is the most important voice in your life? Because I think God is longing for us to come to him with everything. God, what do you think about my work situation? God, what do you think about this relationship? God, what do you think about this circumstance, this season? What if he was the first one we listened for when we're unsure of ourselves? What if he's the first voice we listen for when we're in a circumstance where we need him? What if his voice was the most important voice in our lives? How different would it be? I'm wrapping up. Preachers say that all the time. They don't really mean it, but I promise I am. Um, two years ago, we were, um, a couple of us went to one of our, I wouldn't say sister church, but a church that we really love and respect and have been walking with us, a church called Echo in Southern California. We went to their retreat, and there was a teacher, and his name was Bob Sorge. If you've never heard of Bob Sorge, um, he's amazing. He actually began losing his voice about a decade ago. And so every time he preached, he can only preach a few times when he goes to retreats. Like there's a certain time limit every day for how much he could speak. And every time he speaks, his voice is like this. God is here. God is here. He's moved. And he, he's just speaking with this low voice, but he has so much wisdom. And I remember during the teaching, he told us the difference between logos and rhema. Okay, Logos and Rhema are both Greek words, and they both translate to the word, word. And it's confusing as hell, because when you go through the New Testament, when you see the word, word, you don't know if it's Logos or Rhema. But he was telling us um, a basic, like, elementary definition. Logos is the written word of God, and Rhema is the spoken word. But then he gave us the Bob Sorge translation, and he said it in the most badass way. He said this, a logos is a rhema God gave somebody else. I know you don't understand that yet. It's okay. A logos is a rhema God gave somebody else. See, when the writers of scripture got their message from God, it came to them straight from heaven. It was rhema. It set their hearts on fire. They were hearing the voice of God. But then they wrote it down. And now when we read it, it's logos, right? They got rhema because they got it straight from heaven. We get logos because we got it straight from them. And so he was saying the difference is logos is secondhand revelation, but rhema is direct from the source. You know, Fig, my little dog right there, our firstborn son, he's so pathetic, 
And I'll tell you why. He is terrified of pieces of food that are bigger than him. Okay, let me, let me retract a little bit. He's terrified of big pieces of food, period, okay? And so if you give him a blueberry, he's fine. But if you throw a broccoli at him, he's actually terrified and he runs away. And so sometimes, one time we gave him a big piece of meat. You know, dogs are supposed to like meat. It doesn't matter how big it is. They're supposed to just chew at it. Fig was terrified. He started shaking and backing up away from the giant piece of meat. We gave him a giant drumstick with some meat on it. You think, okay, dogs, they'll, they'll eat the meat off that bone. No, you throw it in front of Fig, he's terrified. He needs someone to literally pick off pieces, tiny pieces of food, and feed it to him. These days, he doesn't even eat his food unless you give it to him in his hand, right, in your hand. And I think for many of us, that's all we get from God sometimes. We wait for the preacher on Sunday to bite the blueberry so it's small enough for us to eat. We listen to the Stephen Furtick sermon, and we're getting all this revelation that's secondhand, and there's nothing wrong with logos. It's powerful and it's important, but we need rhema in our lives. We need those God moments where we hear directly from God, where we get fresh revelation and inspiration. Listen, even if the Logos is the word, make no mistake, the goal of reading the Logos is to get to the moments of Rhema. Have you ever spent time in the word and you spent like three months, right, in the book of Matthew or whatever, and it's like, it's all right, right? You're just going through it and it's cool, it's chill. I'm reading the words, what I'm supposed to do. But then one day, You open up the Bible, and that day is not like any other day. Something is different in the atmosphere, and you begin reading the words, and something comes alive. Something connects, and it's like, God, what you were speaking to these authors, it's like they're not even there anymore. It's like the same words that you spoke to them. You're actually speaking now directly to me, and it's like your heart catches on fire. All of a sudden, you come alive, and your heart begins burning that is Rama. Or have you ever been in worship and the worship leader is singing the Waymaker chorus for the 70th time and you're like, okay, Waymaker. And then all of a sudden something changes in that moment. It's like everyone else in the room fades away and it's just you and God. Wow, the lighting was perfect. This is a Rama moment. And it's exactly, you hear the voice of God, and it's exactly what you need to hear in that exact moment. You ugly cry into revival. Your face melts off your face. That's rhema. Here's the thing. Rhema sometimes loses some of its quality when it's passed on. Have you ever spent time, okay, this, this will resonate. You spend time in the word, and you have a rhema moment. Like, oh my God, this is so good. Like, God is speaking to me right now. I'm having revival in my heart. I need to share this with someone. You call up your bestie. Hey, I need to share with you what God spoke to me in the word today. This is what he said. You're sharing and you're on fire. Like, oh my God, they're going to get it. And they're like, cool. (laughs) Amen. Amen. (laughs) And you know in your heart, they don't get it. They're getting the logos right. They, They haven't touched the rhema. Not like... Me. You know what's sad? As a pastor and a preacher, sometimes the most impactful sermons I've preached, I'm sad to say it's the most humbling thing, have nothing to do with me. Has nothing to do with the word that I prepared. Has everything to do with the heart that is looking for the rhema. The voice of God. 
the reason why I interrupted our, our usually scheduled program today is because I feel like many of us in this season, even right now, we don't need logos today. We need rhema. And you don't need regurgitated words from me trying to sound like a good preacher. You need the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You don't need another Stephen Furtick sermon jam. Why am I saying Stephen Furtick so much? He's just on my mind. You don't need another self-help Christian book today. You need a rhema. You need that divine encounter with God where it's like he's speaking directly to your heart. I think the beauty is that God speaks in so many different ways. But How many of you know that God, he has a secret love language with each one of us? And it's unique and it's special. For some of you, I feel like today, God is convicting your hearts. He's calling you back into the logos. He's calling you back into the word. It was epic. Bob Sorge, at the end of his message, he's like, all right, I came with the secret. I will tell you the secret to getting rhema. You ready for it? And everyone's like, like his voice is so epic. It's like every word counts, right? You're waiting, anticipating, what's he going to say? Like, is he going to say, you got to worship 24 hours? What, like, what's he, you got to fast. What's he going to say? He says this, the secret to getting rhema is long, loving meditation in scripture. And all of us were like, man, that's a boring answer. <laughs> He's like, guys, the truth is, most of the times when I get into the word, it's not rhema. But I sit in it long enough, waiting for those moments where all of a sudden the seeds that are planted, that are, I'm reading and I'm hearing, all of a sudden they begin to sprout and to bear fruit. All of a sudden, because I've remained in that place long enough, now I could experience the rhema, the life of God. Some of us, God is calling us back to the word. For some of us, God is calling you to shut up and stop talking in your prayer time. Some of us talk too much. You ever go to lunch with someone that talks too much? It's not fun, right? You don't get a word in. And then when you say a sentence, they make it all about them. Like it's annoying, right? And some of us, our prayer life with God is just like that. Some of us, we need to sit in silence and let God speak. For me, God speaks through me to, uh, speaks to me most through art, I was talking to so many, like Alex was talking about that movie that he watched as he shared his prayer a few weeks ago. I was talking to someone else about Luca. They're saying, man, God speaks through Pixar films. That is actually a proven fact. Every Pixar film has been anointed by our Lord, and God speaks through it. In our CG, we're, um, <laughs> we're talking about how there's this war between millennials and Gen Z, and supposedly Harry Potter is not cool anymore for the young, hip generation. But we love Harry Potter. Luckily, most of the Gen Zers in our church also love Harry Potter. So the spirit of the Lord is moving. But we are talking about uh, Harry Potter, the third movie, and the Prisoner of Azkaban. And it reminded me of when I first saw that movie. There's this one scene, spoiler alert. Um, Harry is in the forest, and he's tending to Sirius. And then all of a sudden, a bunch of Dementors come and descend upon them. And it's this moment where he's like, all right, and he tries to fight them off, but he, he can't do it. His, his Patronus is not strong enough. And then all the Dementors come and start sucking the life out of Sirius, out of Harry, and he knows he's doomed. He's about to die. But then all of a sudden, he sees this bright light, and it's a, it's a, it's a Patronus charm from the distance. And when he looks, he sees his father. 
He sees his father casting this powerful Patronus charm, fending off all the Dementors, and he's saved and he's rescued. And he's like, man, my dad, he came and he saved us. Later in the movie, there's some time travel involved, but he goes back in time, and he's going in the forest, and he sees that very scene that just happened. He sees himself, and he sees Sirius being attacked by Dementors. And he's thinking, all right, my dad's about to show up. My dad's going to come. He's going to rock all those Dementors away. Like, they're going to be saved. But then no one shows up. And he's like, wait, what's going on? You know, Hermione's saying, your dad's not coming, Harry. No one's coming. And all of a sudden, in that moment, he realized that the person that he saw was not his father at all. It was him. And in that moment, it's epic. The music, the crescendo, it lifts up. He's like, expecto patronum! And he casts the charm. And he realizes, oh my God, I'm more like my dad than I realize. And I'm watching that and saying, Mickey, you look more like me than you think. I'm like crying, like, Lord, this demonic Harry Potter movie is speaking to my heart. (laughs) Maybe he speaks through art. Maybe he speaks through worship, through music. But are you making space for the rhema of God? Because one word changes everything. I just want to end with a story, um, quite a personal one. We are about to have a baby It was scary this moment driving here. We were thinking maybe she has Braxton Hicks. I was like, man, I hope the baby does not come today until we move into our house on Friday. But I do want baby to come on a Sunday. Wouldn't that be epic in the middle of my sermon? You know, her water breaks and we have to run out. And then you guys live stream me as we're going. It's a powerful message. But when um, when we first got pregnant, when we first got pregnant, we actually didn't know, but actually the first part of pregnancy is actually a really scary time because from the moment you find out you're pregnant to the first ultrasound where you see the baby and see the heartbeat, you actually don't know if baby's all right. You don't know how baby's doing. And one that's, thing that happens that's pretty common is something called spotting where you see a little bit of blood. And sometimes that means it's just nothing's wrong, it's just normal, but sometimes it means there's a miscarriage. And I remember in that mystery period, Krista and I, um, she was spotting a little bit, and it wasn't going away. And we were so worried. We just want to know, like, baby, are you okay? Like, are you doing okay? And I remember, um, I'm glad baby's okay now, but we were so scared at the time because the spotting wasn't stopping. And I remember one day, you know, our uh, ultrasound was days away, and we were, like, just like, man, this sucks. I just want to know. I just want to hear the heartbeat, see baby's okay. And I remember uh, Krista was really down that day, and she just went into our room, closed the door, closed all the curtains, was in bed. It's like, dang, I got to be a husband now. I got to cheer her up. And so it was just a few months before Christmas, so I went into our garage. I don't know how she didn't hear me, but I I brought all the Christmas ornaments, the Christmas lights. I set up the entire Christmas tree, all the stockings, everything. I turned on faint Christmas music in the background on our speaker. I was like, man, I hope this cheers her up a little bit because she loves Christmas. It's funny, a little backstory reference to back in college before we were dating, we used to argue when we were just friends about a name that we want to name our future child, which is Noel, which actually means the first Christmas, right? And so we used to argue but when we weren't even dating, like, I'm going to have a kid first. I'm going to name him or her Noel. And she's like, no, I'm going to have a kid first. And, you know, the name Noel had some significance. We don't know if we're ever going to name our kid Noel, but it, it just for us, that meant something to us. And it was crazy because she woke up and I heard her use the toilet 
um, she spotted again. And so I, I, I brought her into the living room. And then when she saw the Christmas tree and all the lights and heard the music, like she just started bawling. I started bawling and we just embraced. It was like a beautiful scene. The lights were dim. Only the Christmas tree lights were on. Like really light, beautiful Christmas music playing in the background. We're holding each other. And right in that moment, all of a sudden, I chose a random Christmas playlist. It goes, the first Noel. Not even like the upbeat version, like the slow moving version. And I felt like it was such a God moment. I felt like God was saying, remember the first Christmas that against all odds, a baby was born. And we were just dancing to the first Noel. And it's like, man, that one word changed everything. It gave us hope. It gave us endurance. It gave us passion. Now baby's healthy and is about to come out in a month. Please, God, not early. But one word changes everything. And so today, I want to spend a little extended time in worship. Um, The Celts, they had this saying. They used to um, have this term called the thin place. I think I shared it a few months ago. And what a thin place is, it's it's a space or a moment where the veil between heaven and earth grows increasingly thin, where the distance between heaven and earth collapses. Some of you were scared. You're, th- you're thinking, is God calling me to go on a diet? No. No, the separation between the natural and the supernatural and the divine, it disappears. I believe that today God wants us to enter into a thin place. And so we're going to spend extended time in worship, not too long, but I do want to set an intentional space We're just you. Come before the Lord and say, God, I want a rhema. Would you give me a word for this season? Would you give me a promise that I could hold on to? Would you speak to my circumstance? Would you speak to the doubts that I've been having about myself? Would you speak to me right now? See, in worship, it's beautiful because we turn down the volume of the world and we turn up the volume of heaven. If you've seen The Quiet Place too, it's kind of like that. Anyway, And so I want to invite you. Um, We want to create a very open atmosphere. And so just for a few minutes, just for a little bit of time, we're going to make this 99 hop, right? 99 house of prayer. And so you could spend time in scripture. You could spend time in quiet meditation. You could spend time in worship, singing along with us. You could spend time in prayer. Whatever helps you hear the voice of God. And actually, if you're having trouble or you feel a conviction, I also want to invite you to pray with each other. If you feel a burden to pray for someone or with someone, or you'd like prayer and you want to ask someone for prayer, let's just create a culture where we can listen for the rhema of God. And so I want to invite you just to get comfortable. You can go wherever you want in the room. Right now, why don't we pray? God, we invite your word right here, right now. God, we we want your rhema. We want to hear your voice. And sometimes it's just as simple. We complicate it. Sometimes it's just as simple as making a space. And so would this be a thin place where the veil between heaven and earth grows increasingly thin? Would this be holy ground where you speak to the mountains that come before us, 
where you speak to the shadows that we're in, where you speak to the lies of the enemy that's been circling our mind for the last few months, where you speak to our anxieties and our doubts, where you speak to the new unknown seasons of our lives. And would you give us the seed? Would you give us the word, the rhema that changes everything? So would you come right now?